According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the scriptures. We are in Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12 this morning. We uh, have to learn about the uh, term stupid in verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. More name-calling in the Bible. A good man will obtain favor from the Lord, but he will condemn a man who devises evil. Verse 3, then, a man will not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will not be moved. And then finally, a good wife verse there in verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who shames him <clears throat> is like rottenness in his bones. So quite a bit here in these early verses, 28 total in the chapter. We'll see how long it takes. We kind of slowed things down. I'm not sure why uh, in chapter 11 was longer than any of the previous chapters before. And, and maybe that's something I need to be more diligent with and, and ask the Lord in my prayer life to keep this series moving along. Uh, if it's my negligence that's slowing things down, I don't want to harm the flock. But if it's the Lord that's slowing things down, then I want to be sensitive to that and, and, and follow the Lord's leading and pace this thing out as, uh, as he designs it. So join me in those prayers if you would. And if we need to get a hitch in our get along, then we'll uh, we'll speed things up again here in the uh, in the upcoming chapters. Before we get started today, let's take a moment for silent prayer, asking God to bless our time together and to set aside our distractions. Shall we pray? Mighty Father, we do come before you this morning, rejoicing in your truth, rejoicing in your faithfulness thankful father this morning that we have the blessings to study and to show ourselves approved to uh to obtain the wisdom that you so freely give father it is it is such a blessing and beyond uh, much of what we can describe father we have so much going on right now i'm thankful for your grace and your faithfulness in the various transitions for dan and stephanie and the the uh, transition to the new ministry there oh father we got a a man in Indiana that's praying about coming down and beginning uh, a training ministry. And if that happens, Father, I just find that hilarious that the very same week that we uh, that we say goodbye to Dan and Stephanie, we may be saying hello uh, to, uh, to a new man. So uh, that's in your hands too, Father, uh, all that you choose to do for the glory of your son. We want to be obedient. We want to be uh, fellow workers and partakers. And I thank you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All righty, welcome, welcome. So in Proverbs chapter 12, we start with uh, verse 1, the love of knowledge requires discipline and reproof. Rewriting verse 1 in order to communicate the totality of what the poetry communicates, we have an A part and a B part in verse 1. The A part, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, that's the A part. Uh, the B part is, but he who hates reproof is stupid. And in the poetry on this, in the antithetic parallelism, what we have here in these two halves, we have an A statement and it's contrasted with the B statement because it's antithetical. And so there's whoever loves and whoever hates, you know, whosoever will, whoever loves and whoever hates. And so it's antithetical. They're in, they're in uh, conflict or contrast, if you will. 
And so we have the A part, we have the B part, and we do the crisscross to get the complete, the complete understanding. We realize that there's both halves. In other words, reproof also applies to the, the with the, combined with the discipline. And, uh, the one who loves, uh, knowledge is gonna love that discipline and that reproof. You see how I did that? I took the reproof from the second half of the verse and I brought it up to the first half of the verse and realized that it's linked. It's linked to the discipline. Likewise, in the second half of the verse, in the B half of the poetry here, he who hates reproof is stupid. You also want to include the, the discipline with that. The, the stupid person, the, uh, the brute that we're going to see here this morning, the, the uh, morons, I like to do a lot of name calling myself, so this resonates with me. The, uh, the, the morons uh, that we encounter in the Christian walk, uh, they hate uh, not just reproof by itself, they also hate the discipline that the reproof is a part of. And so the, uh, to have a full understanding of this, I think we want to be able to, uh, to recognize this for what it is, all right? So uh, the love of knowledge requires discipline and reproof. Likewise, the hatred of knowledge um, will feature the the despising of discipline and reproof, the non-acceptance of discipline and reproof, the absolute fool who says he doesn't need it, doesn't want it, and really doesn't apply to him anyway. Uh, that's that's typically the different uh, defense mechanisms that uh, that the hater throws out there. He says, "Well, it doesn't apply to me. Pastor's not talking to me. That's not uh, for me. That must be for." Uh, you know, Colonel Theme used to talk about the preachers that are preaching, and then the person in the pew takes the shovel and he throws it over his shoulder, like, well, that must apply to the guy behind me, you know. And uh, no, you're in the back row. It applies to you, all right? That's that's how it works. Anyway, Colonel Theme had fun with that, and I have fun with that. Um, so this is what we're dealing with here, the uh, discipline and the reproof. And we learned to love the Hebrew musar. Last week we spent basically the whole hour spelling out aspects on musar, um, 50 times uh, that Musar appears in the Old Testament and 30 of those 50 times are right here in the book of Proverbs. And uh, it does refer to instruction, but it refers to disciplined instruction. It's not just an academic exercise. It is a disciplined instruction. So it's different from, say, didasco or didaskalia in the Greek. It's different from even Torah, by the way. Torah, uh, the law, is, is a term that speaks of instruction. All right, but Musar, different from uh, Torah, different from other expressions we might use, speaks to its discipline. And uh, in the Greek, in the Septuagint, and in the New Testament, the, the equivalent for Musar is paideia and paiduo, and those aspects there that uh, we want to deal with as well. I think we saw those also. I remember we rushed at the end of the hour to get through. Uh, the Hebrews 12 application, and uh, to discuss 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, instruction, reproof, correction, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Hebrews 6.4 is the parents bringing up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's the disciplined instruction of the Lord. And, and that discipline is critical because the, the child isn't going to want it. He's going to get bored with it. He's, gonna, he's not going to stick with it to the degree that it requires. And so that enforced discipline um, makes it happen. So, like I say, we spent the whole week on this last week with Musar, along with the verb yaser, 
Yasser is the is the cognate verb that goes with the noun Musar. Uh, you stick an M in front of Yasser and you turn Yasser into Musar. And so uh, Yasser is the verb 3256. It also has uh, 40 uses. And uh, I gave you a sampling of the of the Proverbs applications there that refer to discipline, chastening, correcting, um, all of which is for the purpose of instruction. And uh, if you haven't figured it out yet, I didn't stress it last week. I don't think I even mentioned it last week. But if you haven't figured it out yet, if a if a correction, if a if a chastisement doesn't instruct, why are you doing it? <laughs> are you just blowing steam? Are you just expressing your anger? If if all you're communicating is your anger at something, it's not a chastisement. A true chastisement requires instruction. It requires the communication of sufficient information so that the person learns from why it is they're getting chewed out. Okay, And so in a legitimate chastisement, in chastening, in correcting, in instructing, you have to be providing that information, right? The stove is hot, okay? The, it's glowing red. You can see it's hot. The knob is on on. As you get close, you can feel it. Don't touch the the burner touching the burner and you're going to get burned and so forth i mean but you're providing the information that is a yasser that is a uh, chastisement that is uh because it's instructive you're providing the information whereby they learn right as opposed to just some kind of an angry rant as in you stupid idiot and uh and, and uh you don't have the common sense god gave a billy goat um or you know whatever uh and if all you're doing is calling names and belittling and and shouting angry things what does that instruct what does that teach what does that um does that correct behavior in any way and so Implicit with the noun musar and the verb yasser is the instructive nature of this discipline. And that's why I told you last week, I can't make up my mind if I want to call this uh, disciplined instruction or instructional discipline. You know, um, it just, it's, it, you, could, you could say it either way. And, and maybe you have to say it both ways in order to fully appreciate uh, the, the richness of, of musar. It may be that you have to instruct, you have to call it instructional discipline as well as disciplined instruction. And then only then, I think, do you get the full flavor of, of, of what Musar actually is. So that's uh, the first part here, all right? Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Now, a reproof, a reproof is different from. Uh, the, the discipline instruction. A reproof is um, a different term, and it does have a different thrust. Um, it is perhaps closer to the. Uh, not, I don't want to use the term insult, but it could include an insult. It is. It is designed more to spark a shame. It is designed more to to humble. And to impact on an emotional level or a spiritual level, uh, not as much with the instruction and the intellect as the first term. But a reproof is such that it should spark 
the shame, all right? There is a shame according to the will of God. And that shame, that sorrow in the will of God does produce the repentance. And so a reproof does come to the, to the declaration of disapproval, the declaration of disappointment, all right? This is not my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is the other son in whom I am well frustrated, okay? This is the, uh, and that's the reproof. And so that itself is not instructive, but it does get the attention. It does prick the conscience. It does motivate a desire to not hear that again. See? All right. The Hebrew is a mouthful. It's hard to pronounce, but the best we'll come up with is if we call it a, a tokachaf. Okay? Tokachaf. T-O-W. That's the easy part. The toe. And then kachaf. K-A-C-H-A-T-H. And uh, the accent should be stressed on the kach. So tokachaf. Number 8433, it is uh, found 24 times in the, New Ta- in the Old Testament, uh, the bulk of which, two-thirds of the time, it's in Proverbs, and 16 times in Proverbs, and the majority of those 16 times they're in Proverbs, it's combined with the first term, it's combined with Musar. All right. It's so, and so we see them, they go together like salt and pepper. Okay. Discipline and reproof. They go together. Instruction and reproof. Correction and reproof. They go together. So I think if all you do is just reproof, 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 and you never instruct, then what do you accomplish? At the same time, if all you do is instruct, even with disciplined instruction, if you, if you don't carry it to the point of the reproof, I think you, you sell it short. I think that you sell it short by not hitting the conscience of the soul with the reproof. If that makes any sense. All right? So backing up then to chapter 1. And uh, we'll see the, the 16 uses here in Proverbs because, you know, we get to chapter 10. And, and, and also, this kind of hits me too. Um, look at these uses from chapter 10 to chapter 25 right? Right in there. And then there's even a couple after chapter 25 that we'll look at. But it's not all in the, in the first nine chapters. It's not all in the early part of Proverbs that we call parental wisdom. In other words, reproof is not limited to childhood. Reproof is not limited to parents chewing out their children, although yes, that is a, 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 an application, but it doesn't stop there. We continue to be reproved as adults, and, and the Word of God has to reprove us. Pastors have to reprove us. Even in secular life, you, the boss will give you a good chewing out when it's time to get a good chewing out. And thank God for that. The, it's designed that way, not only spiritually but temporally in, 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 in uh, our Christian walk, but also in the secular world. There is a value in that, as uh, clearly... Uh, drill sergeants have learned <laughs> in military applications, but also in business, in, uh, in the workplace. You can accomplish a lot with an effective, appropriate, legitimate reproof. All right, so here's the 16 times, starting with Proverbs 1, uh, verses 23, 25, and 30. Uh, and this is wisdom speaking, uh, shouting even. Wisdom shouts in the streets. You see that in verse 20. 
So it's not like, uh, you know, <laughs> well, I didn't hear. Well, wisdom shouting. Why weren't you listening? Wisdom shouts in the street. So wisdom is the one speaking here in this context. Turn to my reproof in verse 23. And I suppose I should mention verse 22 while we're here. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? Now, children, it's not... It's not wrong for children to be simple-minded. That, that's, they're born that way. They're, they're, I mean, that's the way they are. But you, do, you shouldn't stay that way forever. You're expected to grow up. And spiritual babies should grow up. Human babies should grow up. And if you are deliberately prolonging your naivete, if you are intentionally keeping yourself willfully uh, naive and simple-minded, then that's on you. You reach a certain age and God holds you accountable. And uh, by now you should be, is the language we have in Hebrews 5 and elsewhere. So how long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. If you've reached the point where you're just entertaining yourself with how how, uh, spiritually ignorant you are, that's a problem. And God's not amused. So you might be amusing yourself, but God's not amused. Because he's made provision for you to grow up. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Now that's a puzzling verse because I didn't think Old Testament believers received the Holy Spirit. But no one asked me that when we taught this in chapter 1, so I'm not going to answer it today. Um, That's verse 23. Turn, I'm teasing, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. You ever wonder why the reproof in the Word of God has so much power in it? Because it is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit when wisdom reproves us, Old Testament, New Testament alike. Okay? Anyway, verse uh, 24, I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. Do you get to escape accountability if you just ignore what the doctrine was about? (laughs) Well, pastor was preaching it. Well, I wasn't listening, so I'm not accountable. Well, you should have been listening. You are accountable. Pastor was preaching it. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you're ignoring what the Holy Spirit gave, that's on you. Pastor's hands are clean. He washed his hands when he preached it to you. That blood's on your head. Verse uh, 25, you neglected all my counsel. You did not want my reproof. And so uh, verse 23 has it where we're to turn to it, we're to want it, in verse 25, and then in verse 30, they would not accept my counsel, they spurned all my reproof. So there it is. All right, over in chapter 3, now the next batch of these are all ones we saw a week ago because these are used in tandem with the Musar terminology. So um, don't need to spend a ton of time on this. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. And obviously this is what we call the uh, the synthetic or the sympathetic uh, uh, contrast here in the poetry of this verse. Okay? It's not antithetical. It's synthetic, right? These two, the A part and the B part go together. And so that's why we have it with an or. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord and or or loathe his reproof two positive things were commanded to uh, to do to humble ourselves to his discipline and to his reproof his musar and his tochakath 
said that wrong. Tokachath. There we go. Um, chapter 5 and verse 12. This is the, the consequences of the fornication and the, the diseases now that he's saddled with and the other damage that he's done to his own uh, wealth and his own reputation and his own marriage. And so um, he's given his vigor to others, his years to the cruel one. He's destroyed his marriage. He's devastated his own sexual health. And it says, you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I have hated Musar and my heart spurned Tokachath. How I hated the disciplined instruction and my heart spurned the reproof. And, uh, you know, you just have to wonder, <laughs> you know, Solomon's the one writing this and, uh, you know, we, we can debate how late in his life did he write this? How late in his life, uh, was he suffering with the consequences of his own, um, soul damage in, uh, in those things. That's kind of fun. I don't think we've talked about that, have we? Um, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Which, which came first, which came second, which came third? And uh, you can almost play, uh, what's that game with uh, you put the stone under the cups and you spin it around. And uh, Anyway. You will find every opinion under the sun as far as the order of authorship for Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. And a lot of debate about... Uh, about which was written before the other and why in uh, in that. Anyway, uh, so uh, here he is and groaning at his final end and saying, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurred reproof. Chapter 6 and verse 23, the commandment is a lamp and teaching is light and reproofs are for discipline, uh, for discipline, are the way of life. And they're not only are they in the same verse, but they're linked together. The purpose of the Tokachath is for the Musar. The reproofs for discipline. The Tokachath for the discipline instruction for the Musar is a way of life. So they're not always in parallel. Sometimes one is has the purpose of accomplishing the other. That's interesting. All right. Chapter 10 and verse 7. So now we're out of the parental wisdom. Now we're in the personal and public wisdom, right? Chapters 10 through 24. Now it's personal and public wisdom. So I'm an adult now. You should quit quit chewing me out, <laughs> okay? I'm an adult now. Don't treat me like a child. Well, quit acting like a child, <laughs> all right? You will still receive the reproof as necessary. It's going to come from God. It's going to come from his word, Plus, of course, human beings that he may use as his instruments. So he is, uh, verse 1017, he is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who ignores reproof goes astray. And so if you don't listen to the reproof, this is an adult here. You know, when you're in adult capacity, it's, it's not... Uh, you know, kids spend all this time waiting to grow up and waiting to leave home and waiting to call their own shots and waiting to do this and waiting to do that. And then sometimes the reality of adulthood hits them and they, uh, then they come back and they say, I don't want to be an adult anymore. You know, um, 
Yeah, it's work. It takes effort. And there's other things that go with that. And, uh, you know, you think, hey, ha, no one has to tell me what time to go to bed anymore. And, uh, well, no, but you got to be at work at 6.30, so how late do you want to stay up tonight? You know, and, and then you find yourself all alone in your own apartment going to bed earlier than, and then thinking, well, but they didn't tell me I had to, so I'm doing this on my own. All right. Um, and, but the idea of going off the path, making a bad choice, ending up uh, where you, you, you shouldn't be because you should have made a better choice. Well, you know, welcome to adult capacity. Make choices, face consequences. Here you are. And uh, you should be heeding the musar that comes through the Word of God. And you don't want to ignore the, uh, the reproof. The reproof is like the follow-up. It's like the remedial class. The remedial class that says, hey, you're, you're not heeding the musar here. Uh, you know, take another shot at that. <laughs> the reproof says, come on. You know better than that. What does the Word of God say? So that's chapter 10 and verse 17. Chapter 12 and verse 1. Whoever, and this is our verse today. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Chapter 13 and verse 8. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but the poor, uh, but the poor hears no rebuke. And that's going to take some work. That's um, at face value. Maybe that one doesn't teach itself the way a lot of these other proverbs do. Um, can can money bail you out of problems? Well, if you think they can, in, in a way, certain problems maybe. But what are what are the bigger issues here? And are you relying on your wealth? Is that your ransom? Anyway, we'll talk about that when we get to chapter thirteen, because I think there's more that doesn't that come that we can dig out of that that doesn't exactly come out at face value. All right, chapter fifteen and verse five. That was one, by the way, where it's used uh, in isolation, where the reproof is not used in tandem with the instruction. So that makes it noteworthy. Chapter 15 and verse 5, a fool rejects his father's discipline, but he who regards reproof is sensible. And that's what we want to be. We want to be sensible. We don't want to be stupid. We want to be sensible. And it comes down to this, and it comes down to what God's word does for us and what God's uh, the, the hand of God in our life what it does for us. It's, it's our reasonable service. It's sensible, it's reasonable, it's rational. Which when you're out of the will of God is when you're out of your mind, when you're irrational, unreasonable, animalistic, brutish, stupid. Okay, And that's the vocabulary we're driving at that we're going to get to uh, here shortly. The, the vocabulary of the, of the stupid, the brute, the irrational, the emotional, the crowd that's living their life in complete defiance of the Word of God, ignoring the Word of God, that's not rational. Okay? It is, it's, it's, and then the soul damage they're doing in the process, the vulnerability to manipulation in the process, and uh, things there that we can talk about as well. So we want to be sensible, not stupid. That's a good uh, corollary to the stupid study we got coming up. Uh, verse 10. Grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. And that one also, by the way, uses musar, because musar is the, is the term underneath grievous punishment. So the musar, the grievous musar, is for him who forsakes the way, but he who hates tokacheth will 
die. Verses 31 and 32. He whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Life-giving. So, I mean, if you think you don't like it, if you think you're above that or you think that's insulting or who do you think you are, you know, a lot of times we, we get subjective and so we respond poorly to a reproof. And then we want to turn it around and hit back. Okay? Except when we hit back, we're not reproving. When we hit back, we're, we're slandering. We're doing something ugly. You know, the mental attitude sin and a sin of the tongue and, and whatnot. Uh, so he who, whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline, there's the musar, despises himself. Self-loathing, self-hatred goes with self-destructive behavior. But he who listens to reproof, there it is again, acquires understanding. So, um, probably should have not colored verse 31 yellow. Probably that one stands without the Musar, but verse 32 stands with the Musar. All right? Chapter 27 and verse 5. Now, when we get beyond chapter 25, where are we? Are we in the uh, personal wisdom? No, we're not in the parental wisdom anymore, or the personal and public wisdom. We're dealing with the additional accumulated wisdom, the accumulated wisdom that through the years was appreciated by the Jewish people, but not yet compiled or structured in such a way that it was added to the canon. These chapters were not added until the, the wise men of Hezekiah's time, then collated them into these chapters, and then under the leading of the Holy Spirit, then uh, attached them to uh, Solomon's. Uh, they're also Solomon's Proverbs, but they were not compiled into the canon until the days of, uh, of Hezekiah. Okay, so 27.5, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. There it is, preaches itself, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, better is the open tokachath. So we have open contrasted with hidden. We have reproof contrasted with love. The uh, the poetry on this with the A part and the B part, the contrast that's there. But the better is open rebuke or reproof than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I think those two form a nice tandem, a pairing of verses there that communicates quite a bit. Chapter 29 and verse 1 and verse 15. A man who hardens his neck after much reproof will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. And uh, this is what we deal with. That's why he's stupid. If you don't respond to the reproof, what happens next? What happens next? More reproof. What happens next? More reproof. Well, at what point then are you delivered over to the hardness of heart? At what point then are you delivered over to the sin and the death? The reproof is the chance to, to break through that hardness of heart while it's only partly hard, okay? A little bit hard. You know, I mean, we, we understand sclerosis. We understand uh, that it doesn't just go to totally blocked immediately overnight, that there's stages that get you there. So if the reproof can bust through that hardness at an early stage, then you're not reaching that, that given over stage of the totally hard. Will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. That word suddenly, is it really suddenly? Isn't it kind of hilarious? God writes this from our perspective in the sense that it's not suddenly. How long did it take to get you here? 
bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision with reproof after reproof after reproof after reproof. And then suddenly, <laughs> like out of nowhere, where did this come from? Okay, well, it seems like suddenly to you, nevertheless, when it hits, broken beyond remedy, when it hits, there is no repentance. The sin and the death is, uh, is your departure as a loser from planet Earth in, in physical death. So we get that. Finally, then verse 15 of the same chapter. The rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. There you go. So there's the tokachath. We want both, and thankfully God gives us both, and thankfully the scriptures give us both, the uh, the Lord gives us both, we have people in our lives to give us both, we have um, obviously pastors and uh, older believers And this is what we're commanded to do. Um, As a shepherd, I cannot neglect this. And too many are. We we have this culture of of light and fluffy Christianity, or I call it churchianity. You know, they're going to church. There's there's all kinds of large churches. But are they imitating Christ? Is it fair to call it Christianity or is it churchianity? Is it, it, um, are they teaching the whole counsel of the Word of God? Or are they shying away from the things that are profitable? Because they don't want to teach the... The, the reproofs. But the, the exhortation is uh, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And so this is, uh, this is what you get when you come to uh, a doctrinal place like Austin Bible Church. All right. Well, let's learn how to be stupid. Well, let's not. We don't want to be stupid, but we want to know what stupid is. Okay. The word is bear or batler. Batler. Okay, so if we think of uh, Winnie the Pooh as that silly old bear, then you can think of um, Batler as the Hebrew word for stupid. There are actually several words for stupid, but this is the one that speaks of of being without sensibility, of being without intellect. In other words. It's not an uneducated ignorance issue. It is an unhuman, unreasoning animal issue. Senseless and stupid. With only five uses, it won't take long to work our way through them. Two in uh, Proverbs and three in the Psalms. So it's, uh, it's a poetic expression used uh, exclusively in poetic passages such as Psalms and Proverbs. Like I say, there's other terms for, for stupidity. Um, often uh, equated with ignorance, equated with a knowledge deficiency. And uh, you, know, we, you can fix ignorance. A, 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 uh, a knowledge deficiency can be, can be remedied with information, right? A knowledge deficiency, we can supply the doctor, we can supply the information, we can, we can remedy the knowledge deficiency. But a, uh, a, uh, a rational deficiency... A thinking deficiency. If you don't know how to think, or if you can't think, or if you have trained yourself not to think, that's a much harder thing to overcome. Because the uh, the, the aspect there is, if, without the capacity to think, you what are we what are we here for? There's a reason why we're in the image of God with that capacity. Why we think? 
why we reason, why we consider. And it's not, it's not on an animal level. An animal can learn tricks. An animal can learn. You can train an animal, uh, a mouse to go through a maze. You can train an animal in a stimulus response kind of way. You can train an animal with a re- appetite reward. And, and we, we say, or people say, that those animals are thinking. Are they thinking? Is it the higher order of thought and logic and reason? Not at all. Okay? It's lower level of animal instinct. And which, which does have a certain, um, brain. It has a certain mind. It has a certain, there are choices made, but they're made at a lower level, not the higher level of, of, um, of uh, logic and reason and rationality, okay? And this becomes a huge point, not beyond what we're talking about today. I'm talking about the privilege we have in the image of God to think things through and to act contrary to our instincts, to think things through and to actually voluntarily do something that we would rather not do because we have other reasons we have other things we have greater aims and objectives we we will lay down our life for a loved one okay and and in terms of the higher order of thought and the thinking of things through and the choice to defer gratification for a greater gain in other applications animals aren't have no capacity to do that all right that uh, they operate on the lower instinctive irrational basis not the higher logical rational basis see anyway i've been reading too much philosophy lately (laughs) william lane craig and some of the aspects of of um, why biblical christianity is rational and his organization by the way is called reasonable faith which is uh, I, i support it and i enjoy it william lane craig is the author's name uh, his um, apologetics work is marvelous. Um, his philosophy is is preeminent uh, as a debater uh, around the world. There's no one that's that's better equipped. Uh, be cautious, though. I don't recommend you go to his Sunday school class or attend his uh, theology classes because he's an Armenian. He thinks you can lose salvation, and that's that's you know for a smart guy like him, he ought to know better. <laughs> then again. All right, Psalm uh, 49.10, let's talk about stupid. Psalm 49.10. All right, there's a context for this that precedes it, but um, Psalm 49 is a psalm of the sons of Korah. Hear this, all peoples, give ear, all inhabitants of the world. So the context here is secular. The context is world dwellers, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth will speak wisdom, and and the meditation of my heart will be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will express my riddle on the harp. Why should I fear in days of adversity when the iniquity of my foes surrounds me? Even so, problems of life, 
Everyone can relate. Everyone understands. We live in a world, it's a rough world. We, we have problems. So what is the basis of our hope? How do we deal with problems? How do we face problems in life? So why should I fear in days of adversity when the iniquity of my foes surrounds me? Even those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches. Is that going to solve everything? No man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of his soul is costly and he should cease trying forever that he should live on eternally, that he should not undergo decay. And so we have, I think, in this psalm here, we have a reflection upon what really matters in life and what uh, what your money can do, what, uh, what your money cannot do, what you can buy and can't buy. And uh, eternal life can't be bought. We get that. Verse 10, he sees that even wise men die, the stupid and the senseless alike perish, and they leave their wealth to others. And so here's the contrast, and this is where our vocabulary arrives, by the way, is in verse 10. The stupid and the senseless alike uh, perish. And so there's two terms uh, side by side, right? I think it's the second one that's the senseless, that's the ba'er that we have here. Um, Like I say, there's multiple terms for stupid. But the stupid and the senseless alike perish, they leave their wealth to others. So no matter how rich you are or poor you are, we're all going to die someday. No matter how smart you are or how stupid you are, we're all going to die someday. And uh, it's just the, the smart guys and the rich guys think they can find a way to purchase a form of eternal life by uh, leaving a legacy after themselves. Their inner thought is that their houses are forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They have called their lands after their own names. And so, uh, you know, you can live on in, in immortality if, uh, you know, your name is attached to a town, a city, a state, a country, a, you know, whatever. Well, until it gets renamed. <laughs> because somebody comes along later and decides, well, you know, you were a rotten slave owner. We don't need to have a, uh, we don't need to have a Albert Sidney Johnston High School. Okay. Never mind the fact, he's a hero, a huge hero. But rename the school. The point being, man in his pomp will not endure. He is like the beasts that perish. And this is the, this is the thing. So uh, people die, animals die. What's the difference? Well, a human being purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ is made righteous forever and is a part of that eternal glory for Jesus Christ. Uh a hamster is put in a box and buried in the backyard. Okay, that's it. That's the the uh, the contrast. And so we have an expression here that speaks of not just the animal brute stupidity, but also the animal brute purposelessness, the animal brute um, uh, low life that has no glory, that has no. Um, uh, purpose for the, the glorification of Jesus Christ that is about the appetites and the instincts and then you die. So we have it there. All right, Psalm 73 and verse uh, 22. 
Um, again, contrast, and if we back up, it is a psalm of Asaph. This is the introductory psalm to, to the third book of Psalms. And um, without reading the entirety of it here, this is a guy who's come through something and he's so thankful afterwards, which you notice in verse 2. As for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. Right? It's a great psalm for someone that's coming out of a time of darkness, someone that God in His grace allowed to repent, allowed to recover, uh, someone that, that probably should have died the sinner to death, but God's merciful, so we're still here. And uh, he says, For I was er- envious of the arrogant, I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And so Asaph allowed himself to be distracted, to be to get his eyes off where they should have been. And because of that, his priorities were imbalanced and he gets involved in these things. So um, down in this chapter then, um, all right, well, Verse 15, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So what is it that actually causes you to wake up when you say, man, I'm on the verge of of what? I would have betrayed the generation of your children. I, I, I'm on the verge of ruining my marriage, my family, my church. I'm going to crush those that I love and I should be blessing. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. If you're having trouble orienting, get under doctrine, get to class, crash program, saturate yourself, put everything else on hold, you know, just everything else, just get to a total crash program where you're you're saturating your soul with truth. Surely you set them in slippery places, you cast them down to destruction, how they are destroyed in a moment, again, just suddenly, how would this come from? <laughs> Not really, but it seems that way. Uh, they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. So that's the kind of the larger context which gets us now to verse 21. He says, uh, when my heart was embittered, You see the damage that you do when you spend this prolonged time not in the Word, occupied with the wickedness, considering all these horrible things and and even partaking with them? You're damaging your own soul. Your heart becomes embittered. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. All that time in carnality, all that time out of the Word of God in darkness, you're just living like a beast, living like an animal. We're going to see this in Philippians, that there are enemies to the cross of Christ. Their throat is an open grave. Their God is their belly, their appetite. And we have to be mindful of that. So I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. No matter how out of fellowship, do you ever lose relationship? You're still a son. And when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. 
there's always the opportunity to return. The Father will always slay the fatted calf and bring us back into fellowship. And maybe maybe, um, maybe we've done so much damage that we do shorten our lifetime and we are headed to physical death. I'd rather face that in fellowship than out of fellowship. And, and if he brings us to glory, well then, hey, there you go. So whom have I in heaven but you? Besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, my, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There's a good verse on... <laughs> I trying to find a good verse for getting older. A verse for like the outer man perishes, the inner man is renewed day by day. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Trying to find some good Bible verses to encourage people on their birthday. <laughs> that kind of thing. All right. You're not getting old. You're getting closer to glory. All right. So that's Psalm 49. That's Psalm 73. Um, let's just finish Psalm 73 here. Notice verse 27 and 28. Behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. If you, if you sense that somehow there's a distance that they didn't used to be there, well then, who did that? <laughs> okay. Uh, you did that. God didn't change. God didn't move. God is God. But if you don't have the intimacy with the Lord you used to have, well, it's called sin. Sin has created a barrier between you and God. And when it comes to reconciliation, you're not going to meet in the middle. You're going to come all the way back to where you should have been in the first place. God will, You will repent. God will work in you to produce that repentance. And he will bring you back to that place of intimacy, to that place of fellowship, to the embrace. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Right? Near to the heart of God. Don't you love that? The nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Think about that. Think about how intimate that is when you're in somebody's embrace and when you're telling, when you're talking, when you're fellowshipping, when you're communicating your love and your appreciation. All right, so you have that too. Uh, Psalm 92, the last of the Psalms that makes use of the Ba'er terminology. Psalm 92, 6. Silly old bear. Verse 5 says, How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man has no knowledge, nor does a stupid man understand this. The deep things of God, the things that he wants us to fellowship in, the, uh, the realms of doctrine that he wants to, to celebrate together with in glorifying his Son and celebrating his Son, and the capacity he wants us to have in celebrating his son. That's the, uh, that's the fellowship. That's uh, the delight of any parent that can discuss with their son the, uh, the glories of Christ and the, the, the pending trumpet and the, the thousand generations and all the, 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 the humanity of Christ vested in the person of God the Son and the hypostatic union and all the things you can fellowship with your son. I mean, sure, when they're an infant, you're limited. When they're a toddler, you're limited, okay? The little kid, you can, 
you know, but as they grow, as they, first they get saved and then they grow in the Word of God, they grow to adult capacity to be able to talk about, I mean, what's the thrill? Talking politics with your dad or talking doctrine? Yeah, there you have it. And the fellowship. And the dumb beast doesn't have it. The senseless man, the stupid man. So uh, anyway, that's Psalm 92.6. That when the wicked sprouted up like grass and all who did iniquity flourished, it was only that they might be destroyed forevermore. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, behold, your enemies will perish. All who do iniquity will be scattered. All right, then beyond Proverbs 12.1, where we are today, there's also Proverbs 30 in verse 2. Proverbs 30 and in verse 2. <laughs> the words of Augur. don't know who this guy is, by the way. Um, if, if 25 through 29 were compiled during the days of Solomon, I'm sorry, during the days of Hezekiah, they were Solomon, Solomon's uh, Proverbs, but they were uh, compiled and collected and organized uh, and added to the canon during the, the days of Hezekiah. Uh, when were Proverbs 30 and 31 added? Okay, We don't entirely know. And who was Augur? Don't entirely know. The son of Jacob? Still don't know. The oracle? Still don't know. And was Augur the oracle or was Augur the son of Jacob the oracle? I think Augur was the oracle. Augur the son of Jacob. Augur the oracle. All right. So the man declares to Ithiel and Ithiel to Ukul. Who are those guys? <laughs> Don't know. All right. You know, it's kind of like if you've got schools of wise men, right? Plato was the instructor of Aristotle, Right? And then, who, who followed Aristotle? Um, oh, who cares? I mean, you know, um, but they're viewed as you know these great wise men, these great Greek philosophers, these great um, you know smart guys. Okay, but here we have here's a chain: Augur to Ithiel to Ukul. In whatever case, all right, verse two. Surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Never, neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. And so as an introduction to a piece of wisdom, this is pretty extraordinary. The author here says, look, I'm dumber than a, than a box of rocks, right? I'm, I don't have the common sense God gave a billy goat. Or whatever, you know, we have other expressions like that. You know, the, the stupid turkey that gets hit on the head and when it's raining and he looks up to see what hit him on the head and he drowns because he's looking up to see what keeps hitting him and, and the water goes right down his gullet. The, um, so here's our term. Surely I am more ba'er than any man. Not a human on the planet that's as stupid as me because I'm down here to the animal level. I do not have the understanding of a man. I, am, I have no intellect. See, intellect, sensibility, and will, the, the facets of soul that define our sentience. Okay? Are animals sentient? Are plants sentient? All right. 
And so we are sentient. We are rational. We think. Um, Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One. In other words, I'm not writing all this stuff. I didn't invent all this stuff. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has... Do you think that's important? (laughs) Does this verse come up anywhere? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. So unless you are a dumb brute, you better have an awareness of God the Father and God the Son. You better have an awareness of the Creator God of the universe who reaches out to us as the Father and the Son who redeems us. It's a marvelous, there's so much doctrine here that this auger character had, and yet he said, look, I'm dumber than the animals. So where did he get all this? How did he learn all this? And if a dumb guy like him can learn all this, what can we do? We can learn all this too, guess what? (laughs) All right. Every word of God is tested. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words or he will reprove you and you'll be proved a liar. (laughs) Okay? Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Yeah, I love this song. Proverb, we'll get there someday. Lord willing, rapture pending. All right, so there we have it. We will uh, move on to verse 2 next week. We talk about grace and condemnation. Grace and condemnation. He gives grace to the humble. Of course, he's opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. We'll talk about that from verse 2. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for this day. Father, thank you for the blessings that we have, the rational worship that we have, the, uh, the, the guidance that your word supplies. And Father, we've got so many folks right now that have been praying for that guidance, and, and you have faithfully guided You faithfully guided them. They are uh, stepping forward in faith, conviction. And it's exciting, Father. It's exciting to think of the new things that lie in front of them. It's exciting to think of of, uh, the the role that Austin Bible Church had in training and preparing and equipping and sending forth. It's, uh, of course, the sadness with the departure, but the, the joy as well, Father, seeing Jesus glorified and seeing your plan unfold. And Father, right now we've got a husband and a wife that are considering moving to Texas and considering uh, his spiritual gift as a pastor teacher. And if that's your will, then nothing can thwart that. We want to be fellow workers. If that's not your will, Father, then uh, we don't want to try to make something happen that's that's outside of your your will. So we need guidance and wisdom there also, Father. Again, we want to be fellow workers, cooperating with your plan and program, not not pursuing our own glory. So, Father, these matters are in your hands as well. Be faithful to open our eyes. We've asked for a fish. You will not give us a snake. So, Father, we call upon your faithfulness, and we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.